Welcome to Made by Me, a podcast about entrepreneurship, self-discovery, manifestation, and magic. I'm Kaliska Sweetwater, a born and raised witch and owner of Polaris Jewelry. Today I want to talk about the hedonic treadmill. Um, This is a concept that I think everybody should know about, and it's something that I think about pretty much every single day, especially with witnessing COVID and just thinking more about like how dictatorships happen and all of these things that we think we'll notice and we think that we'll always recognize as absurd or unlikely how they can become reality. Um, And so I think I'm just going to start by reading the Wikipedia definition, and then I'm going to kind of break it down more from there. Okay. The hedonic treadmill, also known as hedonic adaptation, is the observed tendency of humans to quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive or negative events or life changes. Um, That's the end of the quote. And this is basically saying that no matter what happens in life, we always return to baseline, right? So like no matter how bad something happens or no matter how good something happens, once that occurs, after a certain period of time has elapsed, we will view it as normal. We will adjust our baseline to incorporate that occurrence. Um, And I think that this is something that helped us survive and now I think it is almost exclusively a blight. I think that it is a really negative thing that keeps us trapped in the idea of um, having something external change our internal emotions long term and it's such a fallacy and I think that it's something that we need to look at to be able to break down um, because it, it runs deep. It runs deep. I think our entire society is set up to convince us that this is not the case, to be honest. Like, I think that this is really, um, like, the nexus of all of our suffering. Like, I think that if this were a concept that we could each dismantle in our minds, or at least recognize when it comes up, we would all be a lot happier and at peace in um, our current moment. And for me, that's like the biggest hurdle that I'm working through now is like how to be present in a more day-to-day way Um, because they say that's like the secret to happiness is staying present, but the hedonic treadmill doesn't want you to stay present. The hedonic treadmill wants you to keep running, keep working towards goals and achievements and um, the next checkbox and the next step on the mountaintop. And yeah, in my mind, I view it as a literal treadmill where it's like you're running in place basically. And like you think you're running somewhere. You think you're going to get somewhere, but you're not. Like you you are running and you are going to reach your goals and they're going to like come up throughout life. Like they are going to... um happen. Like you, you are going to have that. But in... In the hedonic treadmill, it is a mindset concept. So in your mindset, that does not change by running towards these goals. Like the mindset will see the goal, say, hey, look, that's something cool you achieved. 
awesome. And then it will return to normal. You will no longer feel that like high um, long term. And I think that this is important to think about because we've been told that that's not the case. We've been told that if you reach these milestones, your mind will change. You'll be happier. You'll feel fulfilled. Um, X, Y, and Z. And like that may happen through working towards the goals. And I think that working towards goals is um, a huge component of life for me, at least. Like that's how I find joy. But I think that, um, I think that the idea that achieving those goals will bring us happiness in a in a long-term way is an absolute fallacy. Um I've achieved a lot of goals in my life and they did bring me momentary highs, but long-term I felt the same. And I think that that's important to remember um because I think that a lot of times we look towards our future and we think, well, like it'll be better then. It'll, you know, I'll have a nice house, I'll like someday I'll have a yard and then I'm going to have such a nice day today. And it's like you will. I mean, if you can have a nice day today now, you will. But if you don't change anything except for those externalities, you're not going to feel any different. Like if you're happy now, then you'll be happy then. But like if you're unhappy now and you get all of those things, the it's going to be like worse. Um not I mean, not that's not a rule, but that's my My conclusion is that it'll be worse because not only will you feel the exact same way, you also will no longer have the comfort to say, in the future, I'm going to have this thing that's going to make me so happy. You know, that that warm blanket's taken away and all you have is yourself. And that's okay because even though we always return to baseline, we are able to adjust that baseline over time, in my opinion, by implementing like long-term habit changes. This is what I've done in the past like nine months and it's been life-changing. Um, I implemented the habits and the, and the routine to kind of just like make it through. Like I just needed some structure and I didn't expect it to really like make me feel so free and happy and like joyful in my day-to-day, but that's absolutely been the result. And these habits are not big deals. Like the habits that I took on were I quit weed, I drink water every day, I practice Spanish every day, I leave the house every day, and I have a checkbox for a moment of joy. So like if I get to the end of the day and I haven't checked that box, I take effort to find something joyous to do and I actually have a list like my friend um told me she was reading like a self-help book or something um maybe like a year and a half ago and she said they had a recommendation that you should make a list of joy and I I I don't know how I reacted to it but I definitely did it like I thought about it for about a week and I made a list of like eight things that make me happy or bring me joy and so if I'm having like a day where I haven't had a moment of joy I go to that list and I do one of those things and for me it's like dance alone in my room go on a walk talk to a friend go to the museum um just by myself with my journal um 
I don't know what else is on it, but I think it's just like really simple things like that. So I think that we should all have like a reference list of things that always bring us joy so that when we do have those moments or those days where we haven't checked that box, we can refer to that list and have that moment of joy. Because I think that the idea of happiness long-term is a fallacy, but it's not like, in my opinion, it's not what life is about. Life is about moments of joy. And if even if I'm having a tough week or like a low, a low mood week, if I can have a moment of joy every day, that's amazing for me. And having that shift has been life-changing. Um, so I wanted to just go through some examples of how the hedonic treadmill um, impacts society. And the first thing that I wanted to talk about is fame and the construct of fame in America specifically because I think that famous people um, serve the role of royalty in this country where they are propped up as an illusion of achievement, success, um, and I think ultimately as this like fantasy lifestyle and I'm totally obsessed with watching documentaries of famous people where they like talk about their lives in their own words and they're all miserable like with the exception of one of them I forget his name but um he's like kind of like a younger kid he got famous when he was like 15 and he seems to have had like a healthy way to adapt to it I think because he was so young um he didn't get trapped in in the reality that a lot of these people's experience um seems to be where they get fame and they are literally miserable because not only do they no longer have their ability to walk through life as a normal person and go to the grocery store without getting photographed and xyz but they also have this disillusionment that they got everything that the society says they should want and life isn't better Um, in a lot of ways it's worse however Society doesn't really talk about that. And I think it is a construct that's being broken down now um, with all of these documentaries and um, just the honesty that people are showing. Because I think that there is this idea that like in the past they couldn't talk about it because you should be grateful, you know. You have won all the prizes that society has set at the end of this race that we're all running on. And you guys are the winners, you know? You won the race. Why the fuck aren't you happy? Why aren't you grateful? Just shut up and enjoy your mansion. And I get it. I totally get it. But ultimately, these are people with the same brains that we have. And they don't have a pleasant life. They don't know if their friends like them because they're famous or because they like them as a person. They don't know if they can trust anybody. They don't know... Yeah, they they are also inundated with everyone's perceptions of them as people, you know? I would not enjoy that. That sounds like a, a fearful life for me if I couldn't go to the grocery store and, you know, be a mess and, and I had to, like, do my whole 
makeup routine and and wonder if people are going to take my picture or whatever like that would totally freak me out I don't think that people are supposed to be famous in the way that they are today I don't think it's natural and I don't think it's healthy and I think that a lot of celebrities their brains break from it um but it is kind of touted as this as this like um basket of gold at the end of the rainbow um yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's really fascinating, um, and I think that we do have to remember that the hedonic treadmill sets in no matter how big the achievements you reach are. Um, your mindset will accept them as the new baseline, and those people have nowhere else to go. Once you get there, where do you go? What are you supposed to want and achieve once you have house, money, security, fame, fortune, notoriety, People are going to remember you after you die. What do you go for next? And I think that's why they get really depressed and a lot of them turn towards drugs. And then drugs are an interesting example too of the hedonic treadmill where it's like you adjust your baseline by this substance. And like once that baseline is adjusted, you have to jack it up. You have to take more and more and more to achieve the same high. Um, And... Once you've permanently adjusted your baseline to that, it's difficult to go back, you know? So I think that, um, I think that that's why a lot of famous people overdose as well is because they've been chasing this high of fame their whole life. They get there, there's nothing there, and then they turn to the next thing and it's just like this hopelessness. Um, I haven't researched this, it's just my opinion. And so royalty is another aspect of this too, where it's like, um, specifically with like the queen and everything in England, um, and the royal family there, like they are, their role in society is to keep people on this hedonic treadmill of working towards this like fantasy life, like in the crown, they talk about it, how it's like the, the role of the royalty is to present this potential, I don't know, like better life, but they're all miserable too. They, they hate their lives as well. And I, you know, I wouldn't want their lives either, but it's just this same construct overseas where it's like work towards this thing that the people who have genuinely hate you know, and it's just like, it's such a lie. And hopefully that will break down as well. Like with the Meghan Markle interview and all of that, like, I think that that's another construct that's starting to break down, which is amazing to see and be able to witness in real time is, is really cool. Um, of course not to like witness their suffering, but to acknowledge their suffering so that we don't like, so that we don't suffer to achieve what they have because, there's there's no there there, you know? Um, and I think that both of these constructs are like um, an incentive to motivate this idea of like the American dream or like, I don't know what it's called over there, but just this idea of like, we need to be working towards checking boxes in our life. We need to be working towards achieving and being fulfilled and... Um, all of these motivations that are pretty rooted in capitalism. And I think that 
what am I thinking? I think that we just need to realize that this is done to us on purpose. I think that we need to realize that this is like deeply rooted in our society overall. Like these are all false constructs. Like the idea that we can achieve something temporary or we can achieve something that we're working towards and it's going to change our mindset. Like it just is a lie. Like the hedonic treadmill shows us that it's a lie. And we need to remember that because all of these systems of fame and royalty and the American dream, these are all images projected onto all of us that can never happen through the means that's presented like you can find the happiness that those stories tell but you can't find them only in those achievements you have to find them throughout your day-to-day mindset shifts and I think that that happens through healthy habits that are set over time and by avoiding chasing momentary highs Um, I think it's okay to like have momentary highs and I think it's good, but I don't think that we should um, miscategorize those things. Like if you have a goal that you're working towards, you should think about like, oh, this is going to give me a momentary high, but this isn't going to change my life. Once I achieve this goal, it's not going to change my life. Working towards the goal may change my life because I may establish new habits and new mindsets if I'm conscious of that, if I decide to do that. And that's another thing is like deciding is the most important component. Like they, I remember this um, study they did on um, psilocybin mushrooms where they, they were testing to see if it could help um, like, what is the word? Not cure, but like break people's long-term smoking habits. And they found that the people, it it did, it was, it extremely effective for people who went into it with the intention that they were going to stop smoking. Like 90% of them were able to stop smoking. However, if people went into it and they had no intention to quit smoking, it had basically no impact. And the the magic mushrooms thing is really interesting to me because that's basically like the way that magic mushrooms can be used um, for like uh what is it called like psychological benefit is because it like temporarily removes brain flow from the like patterns like the the hard wiring that your brain does over time it removes all the blood so then the blood flows back and it can create new neural pathways much more easily so the intention is what sets this new neural pathway i think you know, I should probably fact check that before I throw it out there. But that's my understanding of it is that like our intention can rewire it. And I definitely have found that to be the case in my life. Um, okay, so back to my list. So something else I wanted to address is the midlife and quarter life crisis, I think is also connected to the hedonic treadmill because you work towards goals, you achieve goals, you get there. And you don't feel the way that you think you're supposed to feel. Or by the other side of the coin, you haven't achieved these things and that makes you feel some type of way. And I think these are both connected to the hedonic treadmill because 
they're they're both this idea of like oh my gosh what have I done with my life and it's just I don't know I think you I think I think we need to let that go because it's it's based on a false construct um yeah, so another example of how the hedonic treadmill can be used for harm um, is relationship abuse and dictatorships. And this is an example that got kind of um, made mainstream the last few years is the frog in boiling water. And it's basically the idea of like, why does a frog not jump out of a pot of boiling water? Um, and the example is like you put the frog in like room temperature water and you slowly raise the temperature. The frog adjusts to the rising temperature of the water and by the time it gets too hot, it's too late. The frog has died. And it's it's an example that's used with how dictatorships happen and it's the exact same premise with relationship abuse where it was the worst thing that happened to me for where like when I when I um understood like how society views relationship abuse and they say like how could you let that happen? Why didn't you leave? But da da da. And it's like because no one goes on a first date and gets hit in the face like and goes back. Like people get stuck in abusive relationships because you go on a first date and everything's great and everything's amazing and then like after a couple months they say like a couple mean things to you and then that acclimates right like your baseline resets and then slowly over time things get a little bit worse a little bit worse a little bit worse but your baseline reacclimates your baseline recalibrates it accepts it as normal and we think that this won't happen to us, but it's not a choice and it's not something that has to do with willpower or self-esteem. That's another one that gets me. It's like the self-esteem thing makes me so angry because yes, people have low self-esteem after they've been in relationship abuse, but having high self-esteem does not protect you from getting into an abusive relationship because that is is broken down slowly, slowly, slowly over time. And I think that every single person should understand that because it's incredibly hurtful as a stereotype and we need to cut it out. Like, that's ridiculous. Having low self-esteem does not make you more vulnerable. Maybe it makes you more vulnerable. Having high self-esteem does not protect you from relationship abuse and... Yeah, it's just completely an ignorant concept. Um, but absolutely, your self-esteem gets broken down in abusive relationships because that's a way to make you vulnerable and um, control you. Um, but yeah, so dictatorships are kind of the same thing where it's like you don't really notice like, oh, this law gets passed, that law gets passed. You just kind of like are going through life, work, day to day. And then over time, once that baseline gets changed enough, once we accept things enough, once all of these little things are all lined up and ready to go, 
that's why it becomes a very slippery slope because there is a tipping point that you can't return from. And if you're the frog in the boiling water, you can't recognize that shift. I can't tell you what temperature of water you need to jump out of because, and like in your, we are in the water, like how are you to tell what temperature it is? It just feels normal, right? Like 70 degrees in the dead of winter is a very different thing than 70 degrees in the middle of summer. Do you know what I mean? Like it, like 70 degrees in New York humid summer is going to be amazing. So comfortable, so cool, and a relief from the deadly heat. 70 degrees in winter is also going to be amazing, but it's going to be so hot. It's going to be so warm, and contextually is what matters. Um, And I think that's the thing that people fail to understand is like the recognizability of this thing that like when you're completely out of the water, right? When you're just standing in the kitchen looking at the water, you can tell when it's about to boil. You see the little bubbles, you're like, huh, that water's about to boil. But if you're in the water, you can't feel the difference, right? Like you can't tell that the temperature is rising because you're just acclimating to it. You're always acclimating to it. And... Yeah, I think it's, I just, I don't know. I think it's so important to know because there is a lot of like victim blaming that happens. And I think also a lot of like um, victim blaming that happens in the category of relationship abuse. And then also just like casual, like, oh, it's still fine with um, societal shifts. Like when laws get passed and all of this, like we're very much trained to just accept these small changes and we don't see perhaps if they're working towards um like a dangerous edge and this was something that I perceived more during the past administration thankfully you know I I feel less less stressed day to day although there's some very scary legislation that's being passed every day in this country as well um particularly having to do with trans rights. And um, honestly, there's some legislation that's been passed recently that is legalizing trans abuse. So um, we do still need to keep our eyes open. There's, you know, it's it's America. It's, it's not good. Um, okay, finding joy in the mundane. This is something that has absolutely changed my life um, because once I realized that this is it, like we just have today, we have the present moment is the only thing that is real, Um, which like is another platitude that is just a platitude until it's not. Um, it, It made me work really hard to experience life more. And by that, I don't mean that I did more things. It means that I appreciated things more like I sometimes will just sit in my bed and think about the fact that I'm sitting on top of someone else's whole apartment and someone's whole apartment is sitting top of me and we all share heat and plumbing and all of these things at one point were invented and were miraculous 
but now are completely mundane and pedestrian. And if you take that away, like if you take that, um, if you take away the fact that it's a given and you just look at it as like what it is, it is genuinely like a psychedelic experience. Like I feel such a ridiculous level of joy every day from just the most simple simple but like otherworldly things like it is so statistically unlikely that any of this is real that that any of us are able to experience and perceive it and I think just that acknowledgement is so amazing um and something that is a really powerful like mindset shift if you can just realize like oh my god Like I get so much joy, like today one of my plants unfurled a new leaf and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I didn't do anything for that. Like I just added water, you know, watched it grow and it just, it just did that. That's amazing. You know, I can go and make a cup of coffee right now and I don't have to gather wood. I don't have to haul water. That's amazing. Um, All of these things and even to like a more micro level of like, oh my gosh, my hair is growing right now. You know, I'm talking words and I'm not thinking about it right now. Like all of these things are normal to us because of the hedonic treadmill. We have accepted them as a given because they are the air that we breathe and the reality that we experience every day. But if you remember that that's the only reason we accept them as normal, um, it can be really life-changing. Um, and another thing that has changed my day-to-day happiness and helps me recalibrate my hedonic treadmill is remembering that I used to only dream about living in New York and having this business, and now that's my reality. And to be able to go back in my mindset to how I thought that would feel and realize that I'm there it kind of allows me to bring that feeling to the present moment in a really amazing way. And I don't know if this is the case in your life as well, where you've achieved something that you once only perceived to be a far-fetched dream that would never happen. But if you have, I definitely encourage you to go back in your mind and remember your past self and how that version of you thought this would feel, how you imagined that fantasy life and you have it you're there so like have that feeling bring that into your present reality because you've achieved that goal you live that fantasy and that's amazing um yeah I think the last note that I want to end on is that no matter how bad like there are a lot of reasons that the hedonic treadmill traps us but the one thing that's really positive about it is to remember that no matter how bad things get, remember that they will eventually return to baseline. No matter how dark something you experience, no matter how deep a depression you're in, all you have to do is survive and you will return to baseline, I promise you. Nothing lasts forever, good or bad. Good or bad. And you're going to make it through and you're going to be okay. And also, Don't assume that people who have the things that you want are happier than you because they probably aren't.
So I hope that you learned something. I hope that this made sense and I love you so much. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you'd like to see my work, you can head over to polarisjewelry.com.